What's up, everyone? Welcome into episode number 196, where I'll be doing things a little bit different this podcast, but it's going to be a lot of fun because I had the opportunity to interview a podcast host that knows a ton about Division Two, Division Three sports, especially college football, and that conversation will actually be later this podcast, so you're definitely going to want to tune in and listen to this podcast because it's going to be an incredible conversation between him and I. It's awesome what's going on in Division Two, Division Three. It's a really fun matchup in the first round for the state of Michigan. We'll talk about why that is, what that matchup is later on, but we'll also cover week number 12 of Division One college football, and that's where we're going to really start this podcast at, and that's between Michigan State and Indiana at Indiana. This is a matchup between the two worst teams in the Big Ten East, Indiana has one win in the Big Ten. Michigan State has zero. So can Michigan State get their first win? Honestly, I think Indiana probably going into this game, this is not going to be as easy of a test as I think Michigan State fans thought it was going into this season because we've seen Michigan State really disappoint this season. But also we've seen Indiana play much better recently. They just got a win against Wisconsin a few weeks ago. They were pretty close to Penn State as well, like three weeks ago. Last week, they lost into overtime by Illinois, but this Indiana team has played better of past few weeks. Also, on the other hand, Michigan State has been a little bit better. I know the score against Ohio State could be very misleading, and honestly, it probably isn't very misleading, but I think Michigan State did some good things offensively. They just didn't really be able to drive down the field consistently. Like, about when they got to the 40-yard line, that's really kind of like where the offense stalled, but I think Michigan State had some good performances offensively. I think Mangum, the running back, was pretty good in this game. I think he will be good against Indiana. I also think that Indiana is nowhere close to how good Ohio State is. So I think Michigan State's defense will definitely perform better because guess what? Indiana's offense isn't that great. I know they've been scoring quite a few points recently, especially against Illinois. But again, if you look at points per game comparing the both two schools, Indiana is really not that far away from Michigan State. So I really don't expect this to be some high-scoring game. I would be really kind of surprised if it was. But this is, like I said, a game of basically of mediocrity. Honestly, both of these schools are very mediocre. Both coaches are pretty mediocre as well. Uh, I think Michigan State really needs this win. I know some people are like, what's the difference between three wins and four wins? Well, guess what? You're not going to probably win next week against Penn State. So it'd be nice to at least get one more win if you're Coach Harlan Barnett and this coaching staff. Because guess what? After this year, I think we can kind of agree that a lot of these coaches, or if not even all these coaches, will be gone at Michigan State. But this is going to be a, I don't want to say an entertaining game, because I don't think, like I said, it's going to be a very high scoring game. But if you want to watch a game between two teams that are pretty fairly matched together. Honestly, I think this is a game to watch. Now, it's not going to be the number one game you're going to watch because there's going to be so many other games throughout the day that's going to be much more worth watching. But if you're like a Big Ten fan and you don't want to tune into any other game, like Indiana-Michigan State. Now, would I do it if I wasn't a Michigan State fan in Anyone choose? No, I wouldn't, but could be an interesting matchup between Michigan State and Indiana 
tomorrow at noon. Now let's go over to Michigan going up against Maryland. Jim Harbaugh will not be on the sideline. Again, he won't be on the sideline for the rest of the regular season. Uh, Sharon Moore will, of course, be the head guy. I don't think this is a game that Michigan should be concerned about because, one, I think Michigan's the much better team. But, two, I also think that this Maryland team has definitely taken a step back. And and that's what really Maryland has done under their head coaches. Early on, they look pretty good like they look electric on offense but as the year goes on Maryland just continues to get worse and continue to lose games that they shouldn't lose and that's exactly where Maryland is right now they're losing games that they shouldn't lose they're going into the big house I don't think this game is going to be a very competitive game even though they don't have Jim Harbaugh on the sideline I think this is going to be a pretty easy win for Michigan, and then they're, of course, going to focus on the last week against Ohio State. There was a little bit of an announcement earlier today. Michigan did announce that linebackers coach Chris Partridge has been fired. So that actually means that the father of defensive coordinator Jesse Minter will actually be coaching the linebackers going forward. Definitely an interesting decision. We'll see what goes on there. I think a lot of people are kind of hinting that that's because of the investigation that's going on. It definitely could be and probably is, but Jesse Minter's father has actually been a longtime college coach as well, so I think Michigan will probably be fine at the linebacker position anyways, and the defense has been so good that you could probably have um, any college coach that has some experience probably come in and be fine so I think Michigan will be completely fine this game I think Michigan's going to be able to run the ball against Maryland I will be interested to see what Maryland's passing game looks like a little bit they actually gave Michigan quite a few issues last year and kind of kept the game pretty close for the most part so we're going to see what Maryland can do that can their defense get stops probably now at least not enough so I do expect Michigan to win this game pretty handily in my opinion now let's go over to college basketball Michigan State plays Butler tonight this is a matchup that features Pierre Brooks former Michigan State sparring last year he has an opportunity to come into Breslin and make an impact. He's actually been performing pretty well for Butler this year. He's made, I believe, at least going into a halftime of the Duke game, I believe he made more threes than the whole entire Michigan State basketball team had this season. Now, the second half, Michigan State definitely made more threes, but Pierre Brooks overall has been shooting the ball pretty well for Butler, and we've seen Michigan State, or at least former Michigan State players go into Michigan State or at least play Michigan saying play extremely well like one of those players is Fashalora like look at what happened with the matchup between Michigan State and Davidson like we saw what happened in that game Davidson almost pulled off the upset in the NCAA tournament this isn't unusual if Pierre Brooks comes in and absolutely balls out at least this is a close game and the betting I'd say Michigan State's a nine and a half point favorite in this game. So it might be a little bit closer than fans expected, but if you're Michigan State, you really need to get this win. You need to get the win at home and you need to get back to 500 if you want to kind of get your season back on the right path. You just can't drop this game. Like, it's not something 
that if you want people to not panic about, you just can't do it. And you need to figure out how to get this win. Um, Elkhorn State is coming in on Sunday. I think Michigan State should win that handily. Uh, Michigan actually plays Long Beach State tonight. They're 1-2. I expect Michigan to win that game. They're 15.5 points favorites. Uh, I, I would be shocked if Doug McDaniels doesn't go off again. I would like to see a little bit better defensively from Michigan, if I had to say, but I think Michigan's going to end up getting that win tonight. And starting the season, 4-0, which I think a lot of people, like I said before, might have not expected, but maybe we'll see what happens there because next week they're playing undefeated Memphis. I think that's going to be Michigan's real test, at least so far this year. I did say I thought St. John's was pretty good. I think St. John's is pretty solid, especially that win at St. John's was a solid, a solid to good win for Michigan, but just maybe St. John's just isn't as much as good of a basketball team as people think. I don't know, because they've almost lost a couple of games that they've should have won, but can't say enough good things about this Michigan team. Like, they've been very good. They've been consistent. They have a couple of players that have stepped up every single game. Doug McDaniels has been balling out every single game as well. So this is a fun Michigan team offensively. Can they be better defensively? That's the real question. So, yeah, that's kind of really it for preview of week 12 of college football college basketball as well and yeah let's get into the coverage of division two division three super excited about that so let's get into the interview right now folks it is my honor to introduce a special guest who knows all about d2 and d3 sports the host of division one rejects a podcast that just got over ten thousand listens on all platforms kobe manzo how you doing kobe and congrats on ten thousand listens that's awesome you're the man take a page out of my book butter me up a little bit before we get into the conversation i appreciate you though that is a that's a big milestone for us obviously a lot more to come from us and uh hopefully see you in that in that category soon as well i appreciate that and honestly you do great work over at d1 rejects um we'll definitely talk about that what you do over there, but I think you have a great thing going. You have a ton of athletes on and mm. do great coverage for D2, D3, and coverage that should be definitely talked more about that isn't talked about enough. Absolutely, man. It's, I talk about it all the time. It's my pleasure to, to have all these guys on. I've been blessed with just so many cool stories and just genuinely great humans. It's also a benefit that they happen to be like a hell of a football player or a great coach at their respective levels. But honestly, when we have these guys on, that's not the, the main focus to try and tell a lot of stories about, you know, what got these guys in their position, their experiences at all these levels. And um, our content has only continued to grow. This is actually our first full season of, of covering college football. We've this podcast started in 2020, man, but we're there's a lot of great new things coming for us. So I'm, I'm excited for the trajectory of it to continue to go up. Yeah, it's awesome. So talk a little bit about your podcast. Like, how did it start? How did the whole idea idea of it come to be? All right, my man. So it's going to be D1 Rejects or D2 Dorm Talk. Now, D1 Rejects took over. It started in my dorm room in 2020. And uh, the, the thing I tell everyone is that the first couple episodes are on YouTube. You can find them. They are. Can I swear on here? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. They're dog shit. They're terrible. <laughs> um, those episodes are awful. But the reason I leave them up there. Uh, is not to publicly embarrass myself or the guys that are on that. It's to show the people that, 
yeah, we have a pretty polished product now, but at one point this podcast stunk and uh, there was a lot of things that I've learned from. And I think I leave those up there just to show everyone that your first couple episodes or first step you take in whatever endeavor it is, man, it's going to be probably bad. There are some people that are just naturally gifted at the time. I wasn't really one of them. I've, I've grown into this kind of role, but that's how it started in my dorm room with some close friends. And then as you take one baby step and another, and you get a couple guys that are actually interested to come on the show, you keep reaching out, you face rejection a couple times. And now we've grown it into, you know, having a studio, being able to sponsor athletes across the country and provide uh, some great coverage to some really fun levels of football, man. Yeah. And you've been able to kind of, like you said, grow it, like sponsor some athletes, but you also do a little bit of work. I don't know if it's your full-time job, but you do a little bit of work with Northern Michigan yeah. as well, the D2 level. So you kind of incorporate that a little bit into your podcast as well. And it kind of seems like that's kind of a reason why probably you started your podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. So I came to Northern Michigan to play football in 2020. Uh, unfortunately I've had a couple of knee surgeries and had to hang up the cleats, uh, this last year. So I'm out of football now officially, which sounds really weird saying that out loud. It still does, even though only being one season removed, but yeah, that was the motivation, man, coming here and, and seeing what I want to do in media. I do all of our digital content, photo and video for all of our Northern Michigan athletic teams. And we've had some great ones. Unfortunately, football has not been part of that category the last uh, couple of years, but, um, you know, having that background in the D2 level, in the GLIAC, in a really great athletic conference, I've seen a lot of really good players come through here. And um, that was definitely a huge influence for me to, to start doing this, man. Yeah, that's awesome. And the GLIAC, let's talk about, about the GLIAC. Oh, yeah. One of probably the best, if not the best conference in Division Two, And it's in our own state. Like, think about it. You have GVSU. You have Ferris State, you have Davenport, a top 10 team in Davenport. You also have a Saginaw Valley State team that's been pretty good as well. You have like four or five teams that could you could argue could be in the top 15, top 20, maybe top 25 of D2 football. Yeah, and they were last year at a certain stretch. So all four of those teams that you mentioned were in the top 25. Now, within the league, there still are your clear dividing categories. And that upper echelon of the conference, Ferris State and Grand Valley, have made it very clear that they are still the top dogs and they are above everyone else. You talk about that Grand Valley game, Davenport. Hey, thanks for showing up. 38 nothing at Lubbers. Um, really surprising for me. For a Davenport team that I thought was actually very talented this year and started to put some pieces together, obviously the addition of Myron Harris in the transfer portal, he's getting shit done on the ground. Um, but that Davenport team got embarrassed. And I think that was just an exclamation point for Grand Valley to, to, for them to solidify that, yeah, them and Ferris are still the top dogs in this conference. Saginaw's had a, a little bit of a disappointing year, obviously, and, and really kind of struggled to get up and even dethrone a team like Davenport. But the strength of the conference is still very much there. And now expanding into Chicago with the addition of Roosevelt next year should be an interesting step for the, the conference as a whole. Yeah, definitely going to be interested to see what kind of addition that gets to. But let's talk about GVSU and Ferris because mm – -hmm. Ferris's back-to-back -back national championships, right? Like they, like last year, GVSU won the GLIAC, but Ferris ends up knocking them off in the playoff and end up going to win the national championship. This year, again, GVSU knocks off Ferris State after going up, I believe, like thirty-five nothing to Ferris. Ferris ends up making a comeback that kind yes. of falls a little bit short towards the end. I think they lose by fourteen or twenty-one. So it was still a really competitive game. I don't think Ferris did a very good job, at least at the start. It kind of seemed like Malik Mitchell kind of struggled a little bit. Kind of seemed like the offense turned around when Carson Golker came into the game, but it was at Weber's. GVSU wins the GLIAC. Is 
in your opinion, is GVSU above Fair State this year? This GVSU team is a much better GVSU team than we've seen in the past. And not no knock on Fair State. They're still a quality football team. They could certainly win this game on Saturday. That's not a knock on them at all. But, man, you talk about that game in the regular season. Yeah, it was 35 nothing in Lubbers. And then you talk about an environment that's hard to come back in. Lubbers Stadium is – it shouldn't even be called Division II Stadium. That environment is ridiculous. They're shooting fireworks after they score touchdowns. It's an intimidating venue. But Ferris, and I think this is a great advantage for them early on in the year, even though they got handed the L by Montana, played very well in that kind of environment with a really rowdy fan base in a great venue. And now you have a team that has all this postseason experience in front of a lot of crowds and um, those kind of environments. They come in, they're able to rally. Like you said, dude, Golker comes in that game, that offense turns around. He's a playmaker, obviously gets it done on his legs, broke the single-season uh, rushing touchdown record by a quarterback last year and all of NCAA. D2, I believe, are all of NCAA, but had a phenomenal year. We've seen him get it done through the air a lot more efficiently this year. And again, Mylik Mitchell still very much a dog over there for the Bulldogs, but Carson Golker's been able to get a lot done. To score 28 points unanswered uh, at Grand Valley, you make that game a one-score game. The 49-28 score is a little misleading. Ferris was very much in that game. But, yeah, to get back to your original point, this Grand Valley team is on a different level. That loss, the opening loss uh, to Colorado Mines out in Colorado certainly set the tone for this squad. And uh, they are on a roll right now, man. Yeah, and I definitely think that has a lot to do with the talent. But I also think Coach Wooster has done a mm. great job. And no, and this is no slight to Coach Mitchell. Like, we've seen, like, Coach Mitchell before, like, win – big games like GVSU has consistently been on the top of the GLIAC or at least close like one of the better teams but it really kind of seemed like GVSU really could never get over that hurdle like too many times against Ferris State. Wooster on the other hand gets a huge win starts really well early on kind of starts to fall apart a little bit but gets the win and I think one player that isn't getting enough credit for this win is Avery Moore. Like people like to yeah, talk yeah. about Kate Peterson and Kate Peterson is a great quarterback. Like if you watch him play, you're like, okay, yeah, he's like one of the best in the GLIAC. Maybe you can argue in the country as well, but Avery Moore came in and completely changed this game as well. So it was kind of a different game because like the stars, the stars played well, but kind of seemed like the two <laughs> quarterbacks that could use their feet a little bit more kind of won the game and I think GVSU kind of went to that a little earlier and more often than Ferris did and I think that's part of the reason why GVSU probably won this first game yeah GVSU man what sticks out about this team this year is their depth and I think they've had some really good newcomers guys like Helen Reed just bust onto the scene and make these explosive plays for them but then they also have these guys that they've been able to develop inside of this program for multiple years and you talk about a team that's hungry to get back to the the story and tradition of this program not claiming a national title since 2006 this very much feels like the year they're going to be back in the national dance um, assuming they can take care of business on Saturday but yeah talking about Avery Moore it was it was interesting too to look at their play style during that game because they almost adopted a Ferris-esque style of play you've got two quarterbacks coming in one of them who is very proficient on his feet the Carson Golker or Avery Moore uh, kind of example if you will and the way they were dominant running the ball against Ferris was I think a statement because we've seen Grand Valley air raid the ball out and and they have some very talented receivers on the outside the catch that uh, Kyle not made and that one was absurd um, but the way that that GVSU offense is multi-dimensional and then you talk about that front seven for the Lakers is just downright intimidating with one of our D1R athletes over there two of them uh, and Abe Swanson and Jack Gilchrist Jack who just claimed the Gleak 
defensive player of the week honors. This team is well-rounded, but yeah, to your point, I think the depth is what separates this team from last year. Absolutely. And I actually had Kyle not on the podcast. You talk a little bit about his catch, really good guy. Oh awesome yeah. Conversation. So for anyone that's listened to this, definitely go check out that interview, but let's talk about the game because you hinted at the game on Saturday, right? And for those that haven't seen the, ter- the bracket, GVSU is playing fair state on Friday in the first round of the playoffs. What was kind of your initial reactions when seeing that? Because I have kind of two reactions to, it. I don't know which one is right or why the NCAA did that. But my first reaction to it is, is, is that the NCAA, NCAA saw an opportunity to have a marquee matchup, probably one of the best matchups, in my opinion, of all the tournaments in the first round. And we've seen the NCAA. This is a D1 example, but like a few years ago when the NCAA announced that Michigan State was playing UCLA in the first round of March Madness in kind of like yep. the quote-unquote playing game, they said, well, this would be a great start to the NCAA tournament. Both of those teams probably didn't deserve to be in there. So that's my one thought. My other thought is the NCAA is kind of giving the middle finger to Fair State a little bit due to kind of what's going on with Tony Anise and last year and smoking the cigarettes in the or cigars in the locker room. And also now that he can't coach that game, that's Mm. kind of my other kind of thought. Which one do you think that kind of is? What was kind of your reaction do you think it's a fair draw i don't think it's a fair draw for either team my reaction this playoff system sucks it needs to be changed uh this is ridiculous you look at and part of it is circumstantial as well when you look at the bracket man and you talk about the seating uh working off of the final afca american football coaches association rankings in the division two level before heading into the playoffs look at super region three you've got the number two three, five, six, and seven teams in the country, all in that same 17 region. The last two are number 17, uh, UND, and then number 25, Henderson State, who just upset a top 10 team in Wachita and the Battle of the Ravine, excuse me, a week prior. This is the best region in Division Two, And I understand, you know, the kind of the, the route they're going, or they try to think geographical and saving money for these institutions. There's a great rule over in the college hockey playoff realm, I do believe, that you cannot have a conference matchup in the first round. If that isn't implemented in the next couple of years, I'd be ashamed. I always use the example at the FCS level. The fact that South Dakota State and North Dakota State, both in the Missouri Valley Conference, can meet in the national championship is incredible, right? You talk about last year and the game that Grand Valley gave Ferris in the playoffs. Outside of Pitt State was probably the best competition they got on their uh, route to the national championship. The fact that this game has to happen in the first round, I think, is a travesty. Yeah, it's going to be an incredible electric matchup. I think it's a shame that we're, we're having it Saturday instead of not in, you know, three weeks from now. No, I completely agree. I'm right exactly where you are because this should be a matchup for the, like, regional. Like, oh, yeah. Maybe, oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe semifinal. Like, we, like, this should be something that you build up to or maybe even put on the opposite side of the bracket mm-hmm. and saying, hey, you know what? Both teams make the national championship imagine the amount of people in the state of michigan that would travel to that like if i would if i would guess it would be a packed stadium like so many people would be watching like i almost would guess the whole state of michigan would be watching and you also have fans all around the country that are going to tune in to two of the top three teams in the country i believe gvsu was ranked like two or three at the end and Ferris State was, I believe, at least in the top five in the end as well. And they have to play in the first round. Like, that's just not right. And I completely agree with you. 
Yeah, and I think the the main culprit, if you want to point fingers, you can point them at the Harding Bison, man, because they've came out of freaking nowhere and just dominated the field over in the GAC with some massive wins over a team like Henderson State, Wachita Baptist, Southern Arkansas. They are the only perfect team with an unblemished record in Super Region 3 right now. And if you want to point a finger, point it at Harding because they're the ones that, you know, the competition in this field right now is the same reason why Davenport didn't make the field. Even after claiming the same record as they did last year, there's much more parity in Super Region 3, and it's a hard nut to crack. So Davenport is the odd man looking out. But um, Harding definitely threw a wrench into the, the rankings this year. They're, they're on a run. Yeah, and that's a scary team. You want to go into the tournament playing the best that you are. And they're like you said, it seems like they're playing extremely well, getting some huge wins, and that's the team to watch out for. Maybe not like a quote-unquote favorite to go, yeah. but they but they could break some brackets here. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, I mean, the mind, you look across the board, Colorado School of Mines is, is easily the favorite, I would say, um, but Grand Valley I would put right up in that same category. I think Central Missouri and their offense, that is absolutely dynamic to watch, is going to be a part of the conversation. In Super Region 1, Tiffin currently the one seed. I see Slippery Rock definitely as the team to beat coming out of there, but uh, Super Region two excuse me is probably the most that has the most parody with all the way throughout with some of those golf south teams that come out of it so i think we are going to have a little bit of uh, up and down here in the playoffs i don't think it'll be as cut and dry seating wise as in the past yeah i definitely agree and let's get into kind of the conversation we talked a little bit about the game before the playoffs between gvsu and ferris state but let's talk about this game because ferris state won't have the head coach Tony Anise in this first game and a lot of people like to kind of make the argument that the head coach is so important in a game and he won't be there he won't be at Lover's Field with Ferris State how dramatic of a change do you think that will be and do you think Ferris State could win this game without their head guy someone that has consistently won especially consistently beat GVSU outside of the regular season the last two years. Look at what they did last year. They went into there and upset GVSU in the national tournament. So can Ferris State win at Lovers without Tony Anise? To answer your, your question, I guess, bluntly, yes, absolutely they can. That roster is incredibly talented. And I talk about the depth from Grand Valley. Um, while I think Ferris, the skill positions, maybe doesn't have the same depth, depth Man, I get that word stuff for me. But um, as the Lakers, in the trenches, their offensive and defensive line is where they uh, make their money, if you will. So this team, very self-reliant. Yes, having Coach Anise not be there uh, as a guy who has experienced some great prominent success against this nationally recognized program in the past, it hurts, man. For them, it definitely hurts. But is this a team that can go out and, and get a win regardless? I mean, absolutely. You talk about the game last year, and I think the conditions played a lot into Ferris's favor. Um, and Grand Valley wasn't maybe to open it up through the air as much as they wanted to. Um, but Ferris lives for that. They live for a gritty kind of beat-down football. They're going to expose you on some special teams. They're going to get down and get dirty in the line of scrimmage. They're going to be really staunch defensively, especially in that front seven. So, yeah, they can absolutely win this game, and Grand Valley knows that. Grand Valley has done a great job, I think, of respecting all of the opponents um, that they've played against this year. So uh, I, I expect this to be a, a barn burner. And uh, I, yeah, do I think Grand Valley definitely has the edge and I'd expect them to come on top for sure. But then again, you talk about the history and it, it's really a toss up. Yeah. And as long as Ferris State doesn't go down 35, nothing, I would put, put it that it's going to be going down until last drive. Oh, absolutely. I think this will be, a, this will be a fourth quarter game. I don't know if the last drive ends it, but this is a game into the fourth quarter there. There'll still be some, some really big plays to be had from both sides. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be an electric atmosphere, a really fun game. Um, Division two is definitely, like you said, 
pretty open this year, but I want to kind of transition more into Division Three because we talked a little bit about, <laughs> you mentioned a little bit about the MIAA, and the MIAA had an opportunity to have two teams in there, hoped to end up making it. They weren't one of the four teams that were selected, but Elma did. Elma's kind of ran through the MIAA the last couple of years. Yep. They really haven't had a close game. They're playing DePaul and undefeated DePaul, at Elmo, how do you like this matchup between both of these schools? Because it seems like this DePaul team is pretty solid. I mean, they're riding a really nice two-overtime win over Wabash this last week. And, and the thing you can look at there in a huge rivalry game for the Mon and Bell is that there's two ways this DePaul team can come out of that. You can be very emotionally high, and you can maybe let your guard down a little bit, which I doubt they take that approach. Um, or – you can use that as fuel. That's their second overtime game that they've won even in the last three weeks. So this is a team that is experienced. They got a lot of veteran leadership and they know how to close games, which I think is very important. And Alma, yeah, they've kind of rolled the field in the MIAA, had a very big statement, went over Hope earlier this year. Albion gave them a great battle uh, last year and not so much this year. But uh, this Alma team is incredibly hungry to, uh, I guess, so to say, one-up themselves from last year. And I think that's kind of the motivation for them is just to see how far they can take this thing and being knocked off by, I believe it was Aurora last year in the second round. Uh, this is going to be a great matchup offensively. Alma has been unstoppable. So if they can get out early, I think this, this is a very, very winnable game for Alma, but that region is, is a tough draw once you get out of this one. Yeah. I was just going to say, let's talk a little bit about the draw because I think Alma wasn't given any favors in yeah. this draw. Like you, if you get past the puck, you got Mount Union right there, like juggernaut Mount Union. Now, they might have not been the juggernaut they've been in the past because we've seen North Central College win last year. But if you see Mount Union in your second game, like, you're just sitting there. And I know, like, every single team. Like, I really like this Elmo team. I think Coach Jason Couch has done a great job turning around. He's the man. Program. Yeah, he, he's a great guy. Seems like a great guy. Um, They have a great quarterback. Like you said, awesome offense absolutely electric defense is really good as well but you see that mount union round two if you get past DePaul, like that is a matchup that you kind of dream of like it's a matchup that you look at and you're like on paper probably not going to win but if you ever get the chance to play a mount union team that's been as good as they have been in d3 i would say you'd take that opportunity any day of the week I mean, absolutely. And I, I certainly, if we're making a tier list here, Mount Union is still very much a juggernaut, my man. This team is absolutely rolling. And I think the biggest gripe on them coming out of the OAC is, you know, who do you play? And there's only a couple statement teams in that kind of conference play for them that give them any kind of fight. And um, that's where they made their statement for me. And they earned a lot of respect in my book just two weeks ago. Number 13, John Carroll, they take them on 49-14. I guess a John Carroll team that uh, – you know, their only other loss was the UW-Whitewater, and they pounded Baldwin-Wallace, and this felt like the year John Carroll might be able to to take the throne or potentially at least give him a good shot. And Mount Union, to me, that week for them, they silenced all doubt, and uh, they're playing incredibly complimentary football right now. They've got multiple guys rushing for over 200 yards on the year. Obviously, Braxton Plunk is going to be uh, a front runner for basically every postseason award. And you can't mention Mount Union without Wayne Ruby, who is already at 13 receiving touchdowns on the year. He's averaging almost 100 yards per game. Like, this offense gets it done in all phases of the game. As a team, they are allowing less than seven points a game right now. Like, this is, again, I understand they don't play a lot of people, man, but this Mount Union team is dangerous. 
Yeah, if you want a matchup between a great offense versus a great offense, just put Elma and Mount Union oh, together. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. I don't I don't know what Elma's offense would do against Mount Union because like you said, Mount Union has a great defense, but like you said, you also said they haven't really played too many teams. So like will Elma be able to put up points? There's not been a whole ton of teams that have been able to put up points against Mount Union, at least enough points to get the win, right? Like we've seen North Central again win the national championship last year and they've been able to do it but outside of them mount union like you said is a juggernaut and they will probably stay at that position for a long time because they just constantly win and they're just going to constantly win the conference over and over until someone else steps up yeah and that's the thing it felt like this year might be the year for john carroll and they saw a window of opportunity uh, with a brand new head coach over there if i might add you know having your season opener against whitewater and coming away with that i think it was like a four-point loss like very incredible that some of the feats they've been able to accomplish this year. But you mentioned it earlier, man, the at-large bids in D3 football, damn, is it hard to get it. It's like uh, trying to bring the hottest girl in school to the dance. You get all these automatic <laughs> qualifiers from all these conferences all over, and you're left with four spots for the rest of them. I mean, it, it's incredible that this has lasted for so long, and I understand the, the motivation to win the conference, but it feels like it's certainly given teams the short end of the stick a lot. Yeah, and that's where I kind of want to go with this conversation, like the teams, like the, and kind of going to the bracket again, because we talked a little bit about D2. There's been some conversation about this D3 bracket, especially the conversation between Mount Union and NCC. Like a lot of people are saying, look at Mount Union. Like they have a pretty clear path. A lot of people, there's still some really good teams in there. You never know. You, there could be some upsets, but a lot of people are arguing, hey, Mount Union has an e- much easier path than NCC has. And do you think that's true? Do you think oh, yeah. this bracket, how this is? Do you think um, that's on purpose? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say intentionally, obviously, but um, I would agree in the fact that I think potentially there's some other uh, big-time playmakers on that side of the bracket with North Central. I mean, you look at Mount Union, yeah, that winner of the Alma-DePaul game is going to be a a serious contender. You do have Cortland, which I know is going to be, I would assume, take down Endicott and be a major player down there. I think both Susquehanna and Grove City are wild cards, very much so in this playoff picture on that side. But when you go over to the North Central side, they're not even the one seed in their region, which is ridiculous, by the way, because that is probably the best team in Division Three football right now, and not probably. I shouldn't even said that. The one seed in this is Wisconsin Lacrosse, who has had a hell of a year under Coach Janice and company over there. But North Central, you got Bellhaven. You get that draw in the first round. No shot to Bellhaven, right? But um, that, I don't believe, is going to be a very competitive game. The game afterwards, though, you got the winner of Trinity and Harden-Simmons. Harden-Simmons winning the ASC outright for the first time in who knows how many years. And Trinity has been just a epitome of consistency throughout this year. Suffered a, a very early overtime loss to St. John's. Uh, they have rebounded in a big way. So that second round game for North Central, going to be a tough one. And then obviously, if you're going to make it out of the region, uh, the region goes through lacrosse. And that is going to be the matchup that, man, if that happens, I, I better be there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an awesome matchup. And they're led by a quarterback that is doing historic things mm. like Luke Lennon. He has 34 touchdown passes, 35 incompletions, has an NTA record currently uh, passing efficiency of at 287.73. The record is 230.4 doing amazing things over in North central. If you have to be confident that North central can get it done, it's leading by Luke Lennon. 
Yeah, I mean, Buddy definitely just turned up all of his Madden sliders, let's be honest. But he's doing something <laughs> ridiculously freakish over there um, down in Illinois. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of encapsulates it. And uh, we got actually one of our DNR athletes, Gerard Thornton, over there on the offensive line. He's snapping the ball to that dangerous man every single play. That team is incredibly well-rounded. I think a big part of the conversation was, yeah, without Ethan Greenfield, their number one workhorse or bell cow, whatever kind of animal analogy you want to make, with him gone out of the picture, what does this team look like? Guess what? They're still incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So I want before we end things, I want to get your prediction. Like, oh, I know what you got. I know sometimes people are kind of hesitant on predictions because guess what? You never know. Like, yeah. like favorites don't win national championships often or all the time. So I want to get your prediction on D3 and D2. Who, who plays in the national championships in Division 3, Division 2, and who wins both? Oh, yeah, that, you're right. That is the toughest one. Um I know who plays. I know who wins. No, but I'll give you some favorites. I, I definitely put North Central in that category. I think a rematch between North Central and Mount Union is very, very likely. Um, but there are certainly some other players like a team like lacrosse that could come in and make some noise. You never know if Whitewater gets hot at the right time. Um, I do think Johns Hopkins ends up disappointing some people in the playoffs. I don't know why I get that feeling, but as it feels like maybe the weakest one seed out of the, the bracket there. But, you know, I, North Central and Mount Union definitely – kind of the favorites for me i see north central as as my kind of clear favorite does that mean they're going to win it no i'm just an idiot that talks about football in my spare time but um on the division two side of things you know like i said there's a lot more parity for everyone that isn't named colorado school of mines they have a standard to uphold i see them in grand valley state uh seeing a rematch at some point, whether that's in the regional and the semifinal or the championship, who knows? Cause we will reseed during the semifinals mines GV certainly up there. Like you said, this Harding squad could make some noise. Let's not forget about Pittsburgh state. They're in the super region three, which is a tough draw to begin with, but that's an MIAA team that has never backed down from that. And you catch them on the wrong Saturday, man, this Pittsburgh state team uh, could certainly be picked to, to make some brackets uh, burn here, but yeah, I mean, overall, Grand Valley State and Mines are, are probably the two favorites for me in, in D2. And I hate to say it, but I think if they get them again, Grand Valley State's not walking away with that with a loss. Yeah, like I, I watched that Colorado School of Mines in that GVSU game, especially towards the end. That was incredible. Incre- what an incredible game. Like, to start the year, too, they spoiled us. Exactly. Score a touchdown late, gets an onside kick, scores another touchdown, and then Colorado <laughs> School of Mines. Kicks, I think, like a forty-five plus yard field yeah, goal yeah. to to win the game. So, like, if you like, you said, if you want to start a season, like, what a way to start! And honestly, if that happens in the national championship, no matter which way I'd go, personally, I'd love to see GVSU win it. But like, we're gonna get an absolute classic if that mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. I mean, there's gonna be. I mean, this matchup will tell a lot, obviously, this Saturday between the the two top dogs for the anchor bone. But like I said, Super Region 3 is the best out there. I don't think there's any arguing that. And whoever comes out of it is going to have a real shot at the whole thing. Exactly. It's going to be a fantastic Division 2, Division 3 tournament. Sometimes I kind of wish Division 1 does it a little bit. Next year with the college football playoff, we might get to see a little bit. But yep. going to be fantastic ma- matchups this year and going to be fun. We'll see who wins. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on. Always uh, a pleasure to talk some ball, brother. Yeah, absolutely. And like I say to everyone, if you ever want to come 
back on to talk a little bit more. Maybe even after the playoffs, you're more than welcome to come on. But yeah, um, where before we end things, where can people find D1 Rejects? Man, anywhere you want to hear people talk, man. YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. There's like seven different listening platforms, but those are the biggest ones. I'm hoping to do some live shows here potentially soon on like a Facebook or Instagram live. And, you know, we'll see where it takes us. But uh, all of our content on, on YouTube and uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts for the most part. Yeah, definitely go check out. They do great stuff over there. I really enjoy your show. Keep up the good work. Hopefully Thank you, you can continue to build it up. So, yeah, appreciate you joining the podcast. It's been an absolute incredible conversation. Hopefully we get to see some good football. Absolutely. Thank you again, man. You're welcome. And that is a wrap to episode number 196. Thank you again to Kobe for joining and everyone tune in to the next episode.